Hello all and welcome to the fourth episode of All The Footballs. I'm Charlie Ansell and this is the only podcast that covers every single footballing code, professional, amateur or traditional, the world over. Saying the word football in Melbourne means something different to saying it in Manchester or Mississippi, Dublin or Sydney. But the footballs they mean are all pretty much just variants on the same excellent theme. So this is a podcast that brings them all together in one place. This month, via dodgy Zoom connections once again, I'm joined mostly by Dan Langan and partially by Henry Maggs and John Tucker. And we discuss the champions and activities of March, including Bolton Wanderers, the Cornish Pirates and the Qatar Stars League. Then Henry will inform us of April's two Copa del Rey finals and Dan and I will ramble on about what else there is to look forward to in the month ahead. There is no featured code this month as we decided to do a special episode to give some deeper historical context Context to our sports and therefore we will be presenting a one-off show titled A Brief History of All Footballs which will be out in mid-April. Anyway, straight into March. Dan, any initial thoughts from, from March? Anything that's uh, stood out? Unfortunately it's hard not to look past the Six Nations this month and not a particularly good one if you're an England fan. Um, I annoyingly, I've, I've managed to miss quite a few of the, the great games, and I've heard it's been a, a quality tournament. But I think there's lots of, you know, there's better people to listen to rugby chat than me. Uh, so, but congrats to Wales on on winning the tournament. Yeah, I think um, it, it has been a good tournament. It's been really um, quite interesting, especially well, everything apart from Italy. Everyone was sort of in it there or thereabouts at one point, and could have, could have. You know, a result here, a result there could have resulted in a very different championship, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've also been enjoying the domestic rugby. So, Bears have been doing well. I've been watching quite a lot of that. Some really entertaining games, uh, particularly yesterday. And then as well, we, we both noticed this, the, the Cornish Pirates getting a, a win in against Saracens was an entertaining one. Yeah, it, fascinating that Saracens went got relegated down to the championship and I think thought to themselves, we will just breeze through this, especially the shortened season where they only need to play 10 games. Great. We'll just go to five five little pig pig shed patches and we will go, we'll, we'll push them aside, no problem. Went down first game to Penzance, no crowd, um, even though having a crowd would have probably made it even worse and and they couldn't beat the Cornish Pirates they they got a semi-professional side that was actually ready and and keen to just make this their cup final and and beat them yeah I mean I think we're gonna I'm certainly voting for them the team of the month not Wales so I don't know if you want to second that Charlie I, I will second that and seeing as there's no one else with us just yet that, that wins that that wins motion carried that motion carried so this month, there were very few champions. Um, so my champions of the month chat will be fairly short. So here goes. 7th of March, Association Football, Guitar Stars League, Al Sad. 7th of March, Association Football, Scottish Premiership, Rangers. 21st of March, Association Football, Copa Libertadores Femenina 2020, Ferro Viria from Brazil. 26th of March, Rugby Union, Six Nations Championship for Men's Wales. 27th of March, Association Football, I-League, India, Gokilam, Kerala. 
27th of March, Rugby Union, Pro 14, Leinster, and 28th of March, Association Football, Thai League, the Bangkok Glass, Patham United. Dan, from that, apart from obviously we talked about Wales, um, the thing that would stand out to me is Al Sad um, in the Qatar Stars League, perhaps because what that leads on to. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I was going to actually ask you about the Qatar League and what the hell they're up to there. And, you know, is this an established league and have they got people we've heard of? And They, they do have someone we've heard of. I mean, is Xavi a manager there? Yeah, that, that's it. Xavi is, is manager in Qatar and his side is Al Sadd, who have won the league with games to go, which, even though it's not a great training ground, it's it's... It's even less of a training ground than Gerard up at Rangers, then going to Liverpool at some point soon, and definitely less of a training ground than Derby County for for Frank Lampard going to Chelsea. He's won a league title, so Barcelona fans are kind of saying, "Get him on board." He he's won more league titles with us than Kuman will, so get him back. What do you think about that? Well, they've got a track record, haven't they, for promoting? promoting within or getting in ex-players as the current manager Koeman in as well. So it's a long list and I think they value the, the club DNA more than actually any kind of management because they've kind of already got there. Yeah, a lot of clubs talk about managers having a, an ethos or a philosophy, but Barcelona has one that's built into it already. You know, they, they play the way they do. It's got to be entertaining. You got, and I think having someone like Xavi there would be interesting. I mean, I think I'm sure you know you'd think he'd play attractive football, wouldn't you? The player that he was, and a very intelligent player. Uh, I think you could see him doing a very in the mould of Pep, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and he's obviously can organise a team, even though it's in the Qatari League. Not don't want to, uh, you know, be rude about the Qatari League, but. Um, but it's not, you know. It's probably a good test, though, isn't it? When you've got no, I'm sure he hasn't got a whole load of established players. He's probably got the, yeah, you know, the fact they can attract him to the club means there's probably money washing around. But you'd think that coaching and organisation would be pretty important. The lower the standard you go, you can't just sign the best players in the world and trot them out on the pitch like you would at Barcelona. So I think it's a decent indication. And yeah, you know, what else is he going to do? Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And and. I mean, I suppose the argument is, well why, well, why don't you go and prove you can do it in Portugal or go and prove, prove you can do it in, in the Netherlands or, or somewhere like that that, again, is is a bit more of a, a a training ground, as it were. Like, yeah, Derby County for Lampard was, was kind of perfect. He went down, he did pretty well with Derby and nearly got them promoted. It's a risk, though, isn't it? Because if you think if you're Lampard now, where, where does he go now? He's, got, he's already had his dream job and he's lost that. And did it come too soon? So maybe Xavi's next step is going to go and manage a Porto or Sporting Lisbon. And then when he's ready, progress to Barcelona. Because, you know, one, you're not going to get to do that job twice, I wouldn't have thought. And secondly, it's a hot seat. And you yeah. might only get two, two years, you know, if you get two years at Barcelona, that's quite a long shelf life for the manager there. So I don't think he should rush to it. But then football players are fairly sort of, you know, Fairly well. There's two things, isn't there? There's time and the and the pressure of other people and thinking. Well, if someone gets it on board, I'll, I'll never get this. But also the the arrogance that you are imbued with to get to that level of sport, probably anyway. 
suggest that maybe you think you'll be like you'll do you'll be like Zidane and just first job turn up. Oh, three Champions Leagues on a bounce. Happy days. Yeah, no, true. The, the hubris of an elite athlete. We, we can't really comprehend that. But I don't know. I, I think I think if I was him, I, I wouldn't rush, and that job will be there for him when it when the time comes. Yeah. Also back uh, is uh, Super Rugby, Aotearoa and uh, Australia. We won't touch too much on that this week because uh, they will get their time. Um, Rugby League is back. The NRL is is stunning, and uh, down in down in Australasia, and uh, big big wraps to the New Zealand Warriors who are doing it hard by by spending time on the central coast of New South Wales rather than being based in uh, in Auckland due to um, due to covid and and just this weekend super league rugby league has has restarted over here in in britain and france with uh, again the the catalans doing some pretty impressive efforts to to make sure that that league can can keep going as well the the other thing i want to mention and, and dan as as you don't really even know what this sport is i, I might have to sort of sign you through it but um the afl back with a bang last weekend richmond tigers in a half full mcg that that still has forty five thousand in it which is pretty impressive beating carlton blues on the opening uh, weekend i i'm sure you were i'm sure you were all over that dan weren't you oh yeah i was staying up all night watching that i mean what is the time difference for that anyway no i mean i've, I've got too much cricket and premier league to watch at the moment. <laughs> uh yeah, well, you you don't actually need to stay up all night. It's uh, the evening games on Thursday night, and nicely at sort of sort of seven eight o'clock in the morning. So happy days. Wake up, watch that around with your cornflakes, and uh, and no problem. But yeah, so John Tucker has joined us, uh, fresh from carving a cow, and I'm I'm not even joking about that. How how are things, John? All well, Charlie. Yeah, nothing like being shoulder deep in a cow. <laughs> As said by uh, every footballing pundit the world over. So, John, um, one thing you, uh, I think, have for us is a, as a team for the month. Um, thoughts, please? Oh, well, I thought there's a good contender in um, Bolton Wanderers. I mean, I've always been a uh, secret admirer of them since the days of Kevin Nolan and JJ Acoccia, even Campo. And uh, apparently at one point it looked like they were favourites to be the first Premiership team to go fall out of the football league altogether. Sat down at 19th. Uh, I think they'd only won or lost five games on the trot. And uh, well, I say team of the month. It's the last two months they've been going on. Um, what they they've won 13 in a row now, which is the uh, longest streak out of winning sort non-losing streak out of any football league team and the Premiership team. And they're up to fourth. Looks like they're coming back up to the Prem soon. <laughs> That's a good, if niche, Football League uh, nomination. Dan, would you would you uh, go with that? Well, yeah, I was just thinking that maybe this is the testing ground that Xavi really needs. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see him managing Bolton with uh, Sam Allardyce as his uh, director of football. He'll <laughs> teach him a thing or two. Yeah, the culture clash between Ticker Tacker and uh, Knock It Long, get it in the mixer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite. Um, John, we've also been talking about the return uh, of Super Rugby. Have you been watching any of that? No. <laughs> uh, 
John, we've also been talking about the return of rugby league, either the NRL or the Super League. Have you been watching any of that? No, Charlie. I've been in cows all week. <laughs> Not the boating type. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you wear loafers when you're calfing in cows? Uh, it's got to be a, a pretty desperate situation. Wouldn't say no. <laughs> you know, actually, an uh, interesting fact that well, that was one of the causes of World War One. Uh, Kaiser Wilhelm had the wrong shoes on at Cow's Week, and it uh, made him very upset. And I, I, I'm pretty sure that they start off the the Great War. <laughs> I was unaware of that. Well, there were some other things that happened as well, but. I don't think we need to get into the socio-economic details of it. The rest of that was pretty minor, I suppose, compared to the shoe. Yeah. Thanks for that, John. Catch you again next month. And until then, enjoy carving those cows. Now, Henry Maggs is joining us fleetingly as well. So, Henry, coming up in April is uh, the Copperdale Ray final. But um, but there's something a bit quirky going on about that. Tell us, tell us all about it. Yeah, so, Charlie, um, basically, not only do we have a Copperdale Ray final we've actually got two of them um, so for those of you well you may have noticed there's been a global pandemic for uh, you know for the past 15 months so it shouldn't be that much of a surprise but last year's final um, basically got postponed so the two teams involved in the final are, are Atletico Bilbao and Real Sociedad so these are the two big teams from the Basque region of Spain and basically they agreed to postpone um, until this season because they wanted to have fans in the stadium because obviously it's a big occasion for the Basque region, um, which the really sad thing is it looks like it's unlikely to go ahead with fans, but that's, you know, I guess that's how things are going at the moment. Um, so, so the interesting thing about the teams involved, so Atletico Bilbao um, have a recruitment policy which only allows them to pick teams from the Basque region. So the fact they're actually one of the most successful teams in this competition is, is pretty amazing. Uh, when you kind of consider that fact um, but actually going to this game it looks like Real Sociedad are the uh, favourites because um, obviously they're 10 points clear in La Liga um, and for those of you who follow obviously um, British or the Premier League uh, they, the team features Man City legend David Silver as well so if you were a fan of his work at Man City definitely worth a watch that's coming up on the 3rd of April um, so that was the 2020 final. We've also got the 2021 final coming up two weeks later on the 17th of April. So this one is between Athletic Bilbao again uh, and Barcelona. So to give you a bit of context for this, I mean, I'm sure most people are familiar with Barcelona and you know, Leo Messi, um, but Athletic Bilbao are traditionally a very big club in Spain, and these are actually the two most successful teams in the Copa del Rey. So Barcelona have won the competition 30 times, and Atletico 23 times. Um, the Barcelona will be the overwhelming favourites for this one because their form has completely kicked off in La Liga um, in the past few months, and they've also won four out of the five previous Copa del Reyes. So uh, I think I think uh, Atletico Bilbao in both games are pretty much a mountain to climb, or you know they're definitely not the, the, the fancy team in either. But if they win both, they're definitely a shout for uh, for team of the month in April, I reckon. That. Athletic Bilbao, Athletic Club Bilbao, as 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 they are, because they're another club formed by British um, em- emigrants, um, are very interesting because they are one of the only sides 
to have never been relegated from La Liga, along with Real Madrid and Barcelona. Barca, yeah, that's correct, yeah. So, so they're quite an interesting club, almost worthy of a whole, a whole kind of segment on, on them. But it's interesting that that in a time now when, because of their recruitment policy or lack of recruitment policy, they can't ever buy a player, apart from say from Sociedad. Yeah, they can buy players, but they have to be from the Basque yeah. region. So, so, so they can't. It's a bit of a handicap, yeah. So actually, you're not going to win a league because, because, or it makes it difficult to win a league. But you can win cups. So the fact that they have such a proud kind of tradition in this competition, and they're just continuing this into the modern era, is is great. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact they've made consecutive finals, uh, even under such a weird kind of you know a weird situation. And you've got to appreciate, also, it is a real restriction on, on being able to build a squad, being able to you know, select players from a very finite region of Spain. But, you know, they've managed to do this in two years, which have been kind of wrapped with COVID, where you're probably going to be playing more matches, more densely packed, and perhaps pick up more injuries. So, actually, it's really impressive they've been able to achieve this. Thank you for that, Henry. Now, Dan, back to you and the month ahead. Anything in particular on your radar? Yes, um, I've been a bit overwhelmed with the amount of Premier League football on, so I haven't been following the Champions League, and also Tottenham haven't been in it as well, uh, so I've not been following it as well as I usually do, but the actual knockout quarter-final games coming up look really exciting, and you've got Real Madrid, Liverpool, Man City versus Dortmund, Bayern versus PSG, and Porto v Chelsea, and they're all games that I'm really looking forward to. I think um, you know, Man City and PSG both really need to win the Champions League, and you've got Haaland playing against Man City. I think it's going to be a really good round of games. And they're all on at separate times, I think. So I think you get the ability to watch them all again. So, yeah, looking forward to some champagne. Yeah, that, that's excellent. That, that is always a good highlight when you get into that part of the year. Um, additionally, coming up in the, in the month, there's, there's very little to settle. There's not too many titles um, being decided or anything like that. But some, some great stuff coming up. You've got, as mentioned, the AFL up and running, brilliant stuff down in, in Australia. Same rugby league, the NRL, ongoing season kicking off and we're starting to find out who's gonna be making who's gonna be making the running, who's gonna be up there. It's all a bit of that early season melter at this point. Roosters look good but then got beat by the Rabbitohs. Rays look good but got beaten right at the end by the Warriors. That's all a bit of a mix. Brisbane won a game. What's going on there? Also Super Rugby, that'll continue, so I think we're gonna talk about that a bit more. Both of the Super Rugby's the rainbow competition between the South African rugby union sides and the Pro 14 because Leinster won that and so they're going to go up against the South African sides if that can happen given everything that's happened in South Africa. Also Super League Rugby League started in in Britain and, and France so so that that is up running ongoing. Um, so yeah so there's there's lots lots of fun stuff really. Um, I suppose one thing that's nearing its its conclusion is the club season for rugby union in in Europe. Um, they don't finish till June, but uh, any predictions for, for the winners of um, either the top 14 or uh, Premiership, Dan? Well, I'd love to see the Bears win it um, and the cracking win against Quinns yesterday. Um, but I guess ultimately, though, the, in, it's not going to really matter, is it, until we get to those knockout games. I think they should navigate into the top four. But... Uh, really it's going to just hinge on those big matches is the european stuff coming back as well as not i heard yeah so european 
stuff stuff will it's going to be knock just like 16 straight knockout so that'll be a real mixer on the day that you could get any outcome there that's really interesting france at the moment um to lose uh top of the top 14 la rochelle close by uh and then the usual sus some of the usual suspects racing um, metro and and claremont close behind leon actually doing fairly well they're, they're always an interesting concept with rugby they're, they're not they're not either from paris or the southwest which is sort of traditional two heartland areas um and and so also interesting then that recently that they've announced the fixtures for the for the rugby union world cup in 2023 and again france has done this thing they did for the euros they did for the last world cup of rugby union or euros in association football the uh last rugby union world cup where they decide to take the tournament to big cities and not the heartland areas when when countries do this dan do you do you think it become it has to be a thing where you you've got to say no you you take it to the big cities because that's where you're going to find people or actually you take it and they've got the best stadiums or do you take it to the a bit more to the heartland areas because there's only one in the southwest of france heartland rugby union and rugby league territory there are there's toulouse which will be holding a few games and that's it the rest is you know marseille okay close to there okay bordeaux close to there but we're going up to Nantes, not in a rugby area. We're going to Paris. We're going to Lille. We're going to Lyon. We're going to Nice. Definitely not a heartland area. Nice. Like, where's the balance? Where's the trade-off? Do you, do you think there should have been one? I think, as you say, if there's a, where is the balance is the question. And there's the mix between bringing the game to the whole of the country and giving people a chance to attend. I mean, it also depends where have you got the capacity to have stadiums. And I guess the, the, are they using their foot football infrastructure for these yes. games that, that makes sense but I mean I, I get I, I th- I'm, sh- I'm sure if you're in the you know rugby playing areas of France you're not going to get to see much of the World Cup you are going to be disappointed on the flip side do you want to get get the sport a broader appeal and I think it's it's difficult and I guess it's hard to think about that as well as an English person because we have got a widespread on the teams that play all the sports in this country and I guess with rugby would you the same if we have a rugby world cup in this country you'd like to see some rugby union played in the north wouldn't you and it and it and they did the last world cup actually they took to to Manchester they also took England up to the north didn't they I mean it ended badly if I remember (laughs) well it ended badly at Twickenham and then they went up to and beat Uruguay which was interestingly scheduled because it was on the same day in the same city as the Rugby League Grand Final. So they went up against the other sport on their biggest day of the season now. We, you have to say that the Grand Final is bigger than the Challenge Cup, which is sad for the purists, but is true. Um, they went up against them on the same night in the same city, but they had to have the Manchester City, the um, Etihad, because Old Trafford was already taken by Rugby League and therefore Rugby League is going to beat you because it's a bigger stadium. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's one of these, it's a question where it's on a case-by-case basis and every every sport's got different regions that play and don't play, countries of different sizes. You know, it's, it's different to spread it around France than, say, spreading it around Holland um, because there's not, you're not far ever to go anywhere, is there, in, in certain countries? So, 
and, and not all sports have the geographical spread, but I guess that's the why it's interesting to have these competitions moved around the world or or wherever the regions are playing because you do get that unique feel. Yeah, and uh, you know the same with the, the Euros coming up. I mean, that's going to be a strange tournament having it spread across the whole of Europe, particularly during COVID. But you know, maybe this is another. We can discuss that one close to the time. I yeah, think, and once they figure out what they're going to do. And, and this is a this is a topic that actually is very interesting when you look at it a bit further because, you know, there are certain models. So, for example, Rugby League World Cups, uh, there have been models where they've tried to take them either all around Britain and all around Australia, and it's not kind of worked. And there's been times when they've tried to just keep in the heartlands, and that's been slightly disappointing as well. Charlie, where did they play when England have had a Rugby League World Cup? Where have they played most of the games? Mostly in the north, but the last one which was in England was 2000, or sorry, in Britain, actually, that one, 2013. And they did bring a semi-final to Wembley and got 67,000 people there. And and John and I were there. And it it was actually one of the best games of either code we saw, which was England, New Zealand. Great game. They like the idea of expansion. They took they took some games to Ireland and went, you know, went to Thormond Park in Munster. Took Australia there. It's a brilliant team to play Ireland, and yeah, it was disappointing. So, so I think I think it's an interesting one. You can because if you think if they bought rugby league to Ashton Gate here in Bristol, we'd definitely be there, wouldn't we? We well. Funny you say that. That well, that last World Cup, they took a really niche game. They didn't even bring a good game. Like, oh, sorry, it was a really good game in the end. But they didn't bring a, a high-profile game. They took it to the Memorial Stadium. So Bristol Rovers, ex-Bristol Rugby at the time. And, and it's, you know, not a huge stadium. They got 7,500 people there to watch Rugby Union. Uh, sorry, Rugby League in a Rugby Union city, in a Rugby Union area. They got seven and a half thousand people there, and 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 they haven't. It's interesting. They haven't repeated that. They haven't come back. And I think they should have done more to bring Bristol and places like that on side. But in a twenty twenty one World Cup, which is later this year, the, there's a lot of funding from the British government going in, and the British government, with their Northern Powerhouse agenda, have said we want ninety percent of the games in the north. So, so that that's an interesting add to that argument as well because. Rugby League wants to spread further, but part of the funding they're relying on is the British government funding, which is fairly extensive. And the British government are saying, no, we want people to come to the north. So there is a semi-final at the Emirates in, in London. There's an Australian game in Coventry because that's a, a, a an area of Rugby League growth where there's a good semi-professional club and all that kind of stuff. But the majority of the games are going to be either along the M62 or Newcastle, which is a really good breakout area for Rugby League at the moment. Yeah, because if you actually if you think about it, some of those games aren't that high profile. And if you are, in, you, if you can do kind of cheap seats for local Rugby League clubs and get the juniors in and get a full stadium, that's a much better introduction, isn't it, than people like me and you going to a game just because it's something else to do. Uh, I think there's, there's, there's pretty good arguments for every single competition every single sport every different country I mean, you, case by case and even then are you going to get it right yeah 
and, and that's it, it's fascinating and why there's probably a whole load of space for another podcast but anyway that something that you and i can't just work out and get absolutely right mate i know that that's a real shame but hey we will eventually anyway that's enough for this month uh, thank you very much to everyone who's dropped in and out through this rather chaotic episode. Thank you, Henry Mags. Thank you, uh, John Tucker and all your cows. And Dan, thank you. That is all for March. Join us again in mid-April for a brief history of all footballs. But for now, take care and stay well. Goodbye. Goodbye.